This is the Christian Without Religion Network, and I'm your host, Larry, bringing you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth with the help of God. It's a Thursday edition. We're going to continue answering your questions, and we'll continue on the train of thought that we started yesterday. This is part two of Why Words Mean Things. We'll catch you up to date in case you didn't hear it. If you you didn't, go back and listen to uh, yesterday, the 21st of August episode, and you'll have part one. I'll get you caught up and do a little uh, Reader's Digest version. Today, we're going to be looking into things uh, like uh, spiritual gifts, uh, propitiation. What does that mean? The Trinity, definitions of words, because words do mean things. And we'll continue that in just a moment. I want to thank you for joining us here on the Christian Without Religion Network, your healthy grace addiction, because when grace moves in, religion moves out. We want to be a shot of grace in a sick and dying world. And uh, tell your friends and family to join us, uh, whether it be on uh, the Facebook page where they can catch the podcast and our live Tuesday night Bible study at 7.30 p.m. Eastern or uh, through anchor.fm. And we broadcast everywhere you'd like to hear podcasts, you know, uh, uh, Spotify and Google Podcast and many other places. Tell them to join us because the more the better. We want to help people grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When uh, uh, grace moves in, religion moves out. It's truth that sets us free error that keeps us in bondage. So we always want to go to the truth, the Word of God, the Bible. We call this the Church of the Plain Truth and nothing but the truth. So thanks for joining us today. As always, I'm broadcasting from the CMI, Coaching Mission International Studios. CMI is multiplying coaching for missions by providing leadership coaching to mission leaders around the world so they're more equipped to effectively disciple the nations. If you'd like more information, you can go to coachingmission.com. I'm going to start with some news from christiannews.net today, and then we'll get back into why words mean things, part two. Get a piece of paper and pencil out. Get your Bible out because you will not want to go without. You want to take some notes, read it, write it, hear it, see it. It'll help you remember it. And I hope this helps clarify some things because words are important and context is important. When you take the text out of context, all you're left with is a con. And so much confusion and argument and division is happening in the body of Christ because we don't go to the original source. What was the meaning? What was the word and what was the intention and not what did my faith tradition, what did my denomination, what have people told me uh, in our particular uh, church setting over the years? What's the word of God say in its original? What was the intention? That's what you always want to look for. First, let's look at some uh, headlines from the uh, Christian News uh, Network, ChristianNews.net, I should say. I love this one. North Carolina County declares sanctuary for unborn and plans to outlaw abortion. And you got to like this one. And this comes from uh, LifeSite News, August 20th. Uh, this is just a couple of days ago. The standing room only crowd attending the August 19th meeting at the Yadkin County Board of Commissioners in North Carolina erupted in loud cheers as the commissioners passed a resolution to become the first official sanctuary county for pre-born children in America. The president of Personhood North Carolina, Pastor Keith Pavlansky declared the passage of this pro-life resolution an historic event and emphasized that the resolution is the first step in adopting a complete culture of life in our communities. Number one, the first objective establishes as the official policy of the county the scientific fact that life begins at conception or fertilization. Number two, the second commits to enforce this policy by all means within its power in accordance with its responsibilities as the people's elected local representatives. 
Follow-up activities are being organized right now by Personhood North Carolina and the local churches and civil society uh, include uh, placing a plaque on the grounds of the county government that commemorates the resolution and serves as a tangible reminder of our commitment made by the people of the county. There are also plans for public town hall meetings to work with the people, churches, and local organizations to find ways to provide support for mothers and fathers of preborn children so the county can become a place that truly welcomes and protects the gift of life. While other counties have passed general pro-life resolutions, such as the one passed in Utah County, Utah, in June, the Yadkin County, North Carolina resolution is unique because it affirms the right of the people to protect the right to life against a tyrannical judiciary. Sarah Quayle, the president of Personhood Alliance Education, told LifeSite News that the Personhood Alliance is working with all 23 of its affiliate organizations in different ways to create sanctuaries for life across America and develop a training program to help move its sanctuaries for Life initiative forward. When you look at a county-by-county map of America and you see how conservative the vast majority of them are, you realize the enormous opportunity the pro-life movement has. But for almost 50 years, we've completely given our power away and trusted politicians and judges to end the injustice of abortion. After all this time, shouldn't we be further along, asked Mrs. Quayle. There are hundreds of counties like Yadkin and thousands of towns and municipalities with good Christian people who want to stand up and do something impactful and eternal. The only reason abortion is still legal in the U.S. and still culturally accepted under the auspices of choice and rights and health care is because we've allowed it to be so. It's time for us to change that. And I love where she's going with this. Now, the question is asked, are sanctuaries for life constitutional? Skeptics of the Sanctuary City movement point to the doctrines of federal and judicial supremacy and warn that sanctuary municipalities will have to shoulder the heavy burden of costly lawsuits. But attorney uh, Garcia Jones, president of the Personhood Alliance, believes that sanctuaries for life are constitutional. Look at the 1977 opinion of Polker versus Doe, a case in which the Supreme Court held that the Constitution does not forbid a state or city pursuant to democratic processes from expressing a preference for normal childbirth instead of abortion. The Supreme Court also decided in the 1989 case of Webster versus Reproductive Health Services that Roe imposes no limitation on a state's authority to make a value judgment favoring childbirth over abortion. Mr. Garcia-Jones continues, In the first stage of the Personhood Alliance's three-step strategy, the sanctuary cities and counties are just making a bold statement. There's nothing the courts can do to stop it, and that's the beauty of the three steps. We're picking where and when to fight our battles. The where is in conservative municipalities in which we are strong. The when is after we've created and strengthened a local community of support that refuses to tolerate abortion. As as explained on the Personhood Alliance website, Sanctuaries for Life initiative consists of an initial resolution phase, a community building, education, and preparation phase, and a final step that prohibits abortion within the local jurisdiction, regardless of what happens to Roe v. Wade. Wonderful story. You can read that at LifeSite News or go to Christian. ChristianNews.net. I love it. I love uh, the, the becoming more aggressive and protecting life. And if people are offended that somebody would go to such quote-unquote extremes to protect life, well, isn't it about time? And you know, wherever you stand on, on this issue, isn't it crazy that we can go to extremes to protect someone's right to uh, end 
innocent life and then we would consider this extreme I say go for it I'm going to study and look into this uh, a little bit more my prayers are definitely with them maybe you want to look into it too maybe prayers or finances or your time and energy and activity can go into helping sanctuary cities for the unborn I love it this is the Christian Without Religion Network I'm your host Larry and today we're going to continue with why words mean things get your paper and pencil out because we're going to jump in here I'm going to get you caught up from yesterday very quickly and then we'll go take a look at a few more words today we may have to continue this tomorrow or next week. We talked about uh, the baseline or the foundation. Uh, Words do mean things and communication can't happen unless both parties understand what words mean and and agree on definitions. We talked about the uh, telephone and telefriend game where you whisper into an ear. It goes around the circle and by the time it comes around, all the words and all the message could completely be changed. And that's what's happened a lot of times in our uh, spiritual world, in our church world. What was originally written and intended by the authors that uh, in the Bible has been changed because of what we've done over time and it becomes something that was never intended completely off and completely opposite. So we always want to go to the the text and uh, what was the original wording and what was the uh, context? Why were they writing it? What was the meaning? That's the point here because words do mean things. Now yesterday we talked about uh, the issue of speaking in tongues or languages. Look at yesterday's podcast if you'd like to or go to our uh, blog page uh, christianwithoutreligion.blogspot.com and uh, you can uh, see what we said there. We talked about prophesy and prophecy, how that's taken on a completely different meaning and that's different than what's in the new covenant. So you want to read that from yesterday. We kind of left it off there and I want to move forward why words mean things uh, today. We're going to look at a couple other things today. We're going to look at propitiation. We're going to look at the word uh, uh, trinity uh, today and what do they mean and and why and why is that important? Um, Propitiation. Uh, the definition is total satisfaction. That's the word in the new covenant for what Jesus did for us at the cross, propitiation. Uh, Atonement. Now you you hear these used interchangeably, but they're not. And if somebody is doing that, you may think, well, you're getting nitpicky there, Larry, but no. Atone or atonement is from the old covenant. It means temporary covering. That's what the blood of bulls and goats and sacrifices did before Jesus sacrificed on the cross. uh, uh, The blood atoned for our sins. Jesus, the uh, Passover our Passover lamb, the lamb of God, took away our sins. He totally satisfied the debt and the penalty for sin for us. That word is propitiation. So when you're in the new covenant after the cross and you're talking about uh, the blood, the blood does not atone. The blood propitiates uh, or expiates. You may uh, see in some of your uh, uh, translations and words do mean things. It is important because there's a big difference. We got to quit mixing the covenants together, folks, the old and the new covenant. And I've got uh, dear brother Brothers and sisters will tell me, well, yeah, I don't live by the Ten Commandments, but I live by the Sermon on the Mount. No, you don't. (laughs) That was before the cross, by the way. And Jesus wasn't showing you how to live. He was showing you how you cannot live because it's all about the heart and the motivation. And if you want to try to keep one law, you've got to keep all of them. All you got to do is study Romans and Galatians and and, uh, Hebrews, and you'll know that. You can't decide, I'm going to pick and choose why I follow this part of the law. No, the Bible says if you're under the law, you're under a curse. So uh, words mean things, and we've got to get into this new covenant of grace that Paul laid out for us, that God gave to Paul to give to us, the finished work of Jesus at at the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. We're now in a new covenant, a better agreement. The former was just a shadow that was pointing us to what we have now. Uh, So in the new covenant, uh, you always want to look at propitiation. Mark it right out in your Bible if it says atone, if it's after the cross. Jesus' uh, uh, blood did not atone for sins. Jesus' blood took away our sins. It propitiated 
satiated, totally satisfied God's uh, penalty for sin, which is death. We uh, receive salvation from the gift of God, which is what? It's life, life in Christ Jesus. Words do mean things. If I say X, but you uh, hear Y, quality communication has not happened, has it? You know, I don't like uh, cliches that much, although they, be they become cliches because they're used so often, so there may be truth in them. But, you know, the cliche out there, now, it is what it is. People say it all the time. It drives you nuts. It's like, man, can we move on to something else? But that's a great phrase for these uh, podcasts and these lessons. Uh, words, it is what it is in the Bible, not what I think it is or you think it is or what you know my pastor or my priest said or my denomination said. No, it is what it is in the Bible. That's what we want to get to. What were the words in the Bible? What are they saying? To whom and why? What was the intent? What was the message? That's what we want to search for. And folks, if you're a born-again believer, it's on you and I to study to show ourselves approved. It's for you and I to dig into the scriptures and to walk with the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us the truth and hang out with other Christians not to rely on what I say or what some other uh, teacher says or what denomination says. No, we need to show ourselves approved and do that for ourselves. Words mean things. We talked yesterday about repentance being misused. In the Bible, repentance is always before salvation. There's nothing telling you to repent after you're saved. Now, I know that's going to freak some people out when you hear me say that. Look it up for yourself. You can argue. Come on. Come on the podcast live. I, I've been doing radio for a long time, folks. I love debate. There is no scripture in the New Covenant about repenting after you're saved. None. Now, I know the, the, the appropriate definition of repent, motaneo, metaneo, means to change your mind, change your thinking. So in a sense, if you're caught up in something, a habit or a thought or whatever, and you know it's not in line with God's will, that there is repentance, changing your mind, saying, God, I, I, I've got to give this over to you and let you uh, renew my mind and, and set me free from this. I got you there. But there's nothing repent, confess, ask for forgiveness, repent, confess, ask for forgiveness over and over. That's not in the new covenant ever. Repent is always changing your mind and agreeing with God and going with God's way that you need a savior. That person is Jesus. And that's what it's always talking about. Now, the book of Revelation is about the church as a whole and the second coming. And that's, it's a prophetic book, but everything from Romans to Philemon uh, about repent is that initial salvation uh, exercise. So you see where we can get off because church tradition says one thing, uh, but what's the Bible say? Well, we got a word. It's come up a lot. And I had a friend that we were communicating on uh, the Internet. Um, they do a podcast uh, program as well. And I had people at work, had people, friends of mine. It's come up a lot lately in the past month. And that's the Trinity and arguments and debate over the, the Trinity. Now, on the one, on the one hand, and in, in this topic of words meaning things. Trinity is a tough one. We have a finite mind. I don't think we can totally wrap our mind around the concept of the Trinity uh, because we can't wrap our mind around God, but we can get glimpses of it. And uh, so Trinity, what's it mean? Well, the definition in the Bible is uh, one God in three persons. You've heard one God in three persons, the doxology, blessed Trinity. Uh, they have the same divine nature, we got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the same uh, nature, the same attributes, okay? Uh, now, th there is a, a subordination there uh, between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it's not ontological. It's not from nature of who they are. It's more of function and uh, roles and uh, uh, what they're going to, how they're going to act. It's more of a relational subordination between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They voluntarily submit to each other. They respect each other's roles. And, and you'll notice in the Bible, there are never any reversal of roles. I mean, the Father sends the Son. The Son sends the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus, uh, the Son, submits to his Father. And there's no reversal of those roles there at all. And there's not greater and lesser gods. And there are not three gods. There's one God in three persons, the Trinity, uh, that, and that's clearly taught all the way through the Bible. And they have different functions or roles. Uh, salvation, you can see all three uh, roles from the Trinity and salvation. The fi- it's by the Father's uh, power and love, we're told in John 3.16 and John 10.29. The Father's power and love provides for salvation, but it's through the Son's death, burial, and resurrection. We see that in 1 John 2, 2 and Ephesians 2, 6. And I could give you lots of other scriptures too, but I hope you're writing these down. Uh, The Father's power and love and the Son's death, burial, and resurrection, but also the Holy Spirit's regeneration and His seal to keep us. Ephesians 4, 30 and Titus 3. Uh, You can see uh, the Holy Spirit's role. So they all three, they're uh, one God in three uh, manifestations or three personalities and three persons. Uh, One God in three persons have a role in our salvation. You know, we can't completely wrap our brain around it, I'm convinced, and we won't understand it till we get to heaven. The Bible teaches clearly, and you can do a search in your Bible. The Bible has lots of scriptures calling the Father God, lots of scriptures calling Jesus God, lots of scriptures that say the Holy Spirit is God, and they're all true. There's only one God in three persons. The word Trinity itself is not even in the scripture. So Trinity, Trinitarian, that's not even in the scripture. It's the word we've come up with to uh, define and describe what is told to us in the Bible that God has manifested himself in, in three ways. There is one God. We don't contradict the Old Testament scripture here at all, but he's, he's shown himself in three ways. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Jesus referred to his Father, and then he sent the Holy Spirit. Was he talking to himself? No. There are three different personalities, three different manifestations of the one God. Um, in fact, in the Hebrew, uh, the plural uh, uh, noun Elohim and the noun uh, pronoun us in Isaiah and Genesis are used, so it obviously uh, really is referring to more than one, more than two in most cases. So Elohim and us used all the way through Scripture um, from the Old Testament uh, through to the New uh, Testament also lends credence to the fact that uh, God is more than one uh, manifestation, more than one personality, more than one uh, person. And uh, the, the Father is God, tells us that in John 6 and Romans 1 and 1 Peter 1. The Son, Jesus, is God. It tells us that in John 1 and Romans 9 and Colossians 2 and Hebrews 1 uh, and 1 John chapter 5 as well. But it also says the Holy Spirit is God in Acts chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God in three persons. If you look it up, there's an illustration um, that that shows that um, Jesus is God. Uh, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but you, you never mix, co-mix those two. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not Jesus. Jesus is not the Father, and the Father is not Jesus. So uh, there's an illustration you can look up that will maybe help you to uh, understand that better. Now, I don't think any illustration completely uh, explains uh, for us and our finite understanding the Trinity, but I like the one for, for H2O. If I were to ask you, what is H2O? Well, if you said H2O is water, and I'd say, yeah, you're right and wrong. Because H2O could be water, it could be ice, and it could be steam. Now, they're the exact same elements. It's H2O different manifestations of the same thing. And that's how I look at it as trying to understand, put my little brain and understand the Trinity. The same thing, three manifestations, H2O could be water, steam, and ice. God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. I worship one God in three persons, 
Blessed Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe that's what the Bible teaches too. So when people talk about the Trinity or are you Trinitarian, uh, that's what we believe here at Christian Without Religion. I hope that boiled it down and made it a little simpler for you. Uh, If you've got questions or comments about the Bible or about words or about something you heard last Sunday, something you're going through in life, or maybe you need some life coaching, one-on-one counseling, you know, with money or relationships or your job or parenting, whatever the case may be, you can get a hold of us here at Christian Without Religion. You could email me directly, Larry W. Manning, the number one at gmail.com. You could tweet at the CWR Network. Or wherever you listen to this podcast, just scroll down. There will be a little button to press for a 60-second voice message. We'll get back to you, and we'd love to be of help in any way we can to help you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to finish off with just a couple little things yesterday because we talked about speaking in tongues, talked about prophecy just a bit and how they've been uh, misinterpreted and gotten way off track from what the Bible originally said yesterday. Uh, and um, so it, it flows through to questions when people ask me about visions and dreams and uh, words of knowledge. Uh, Um, I think those have completely gone off the rails too. I'm very suspect, very suspicious. I think they're very uh, uh, fishy most of the time. I want to refer you to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. We'll look there first. Hebrews 1, 1. I think I referred to this yesterday. And then we'll look at Colossians chapter 2. Hebrews 1, 1 says, After he spoke long ago, God, to the fathers and the prophets in many portions in many ways, in these last days he spoke to us in his son. That was written 2,000 years ago, and I think that we should refer to that because 2,000 years ago he's saying, look, there were many ways and many uh, methods, and there were prophets and all these various ways for God to speak to us. But now, and there's a transitional word there, but now it means, you know, it's different. Now he's spoken to us in his son. So now we have Jesus. That's who we want to look to for our message from God. And let's go over to Colossians chapter 2. We just taught through the book of Colossians on our Tuesday night Bible study. I hope you join us Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. We're going to begin 1 Thessalonians, and um, we're going to start that uh, this uh, Tuesday night. You can join us and put your questions or comments in. But if you want to read in uh, Colossians chapter 2, it talks about uh, people who who uh, claim to have special knowledge and uh, visions and dreams and those kinds of things. And Paul is telling them not to be distracted, not to be pulled off the basic message of the gospel of the grace, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So um, do I believe visions and dreams and words of knowledge can happen today? In other words, the question that I'm asked a lot, do you believe in spiritual gifts for today? That's continuationism. Or do you believe spiritual gifts have ceased? That's cessationism, uh, that they've ceased. Just a word of a note here. It's funny to me that the controversy is always about some of these, uh, uh, you know, whether it be languages slash tongues, prophesying, prophecy, visions and dreams. We never hear people arguing about the gift of service or the gift of loving or the gift of giving. Just a side note to be sarcastic because it's funny to me. It's these other ones. But I want to answer yes and no. Do I believe the spiritual gifts are today? Yeah. As we normally see them uh, taught and normally see them exhibited in, in, in the church today, normally hear them taught and seen on television, absolutely not. We talked about the, the gift of language and tongues yesterday. There's no babbling tongues and ecstatic, uh, pr- uh, ecstatic utterances in the Bible in a private prayer closet or 50 people in a room doing it at the same time. That's exactly opposite of what was taught. And go back to yesterday's podcast or go to our blog page, christianwithoutreligion.blogspot.com, and you'll see that. Could God use visions and dreams and words of knowledge today? Well, absolutely. God is God. He can do what He wants, when He wants, where He wants, how He wants, why He wants, anytime He wants. Uh, but for the most part, He speaks 
speaks to us through his word, the Bible, the canon of scripture that we have, the Holy Spirit living inside of us and the fellowship we have with one another. Could he uh, use those things? Absolutely. But the way it's been abused and used and shown, uh, I don't believe so. And I believe that's uh, Satan disguising himself as an angel of light and it's getting people distracted and off. Uh, uh, and, you know, we remember Jesus said, uh, people are going to cry, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in your name and do miracles and signs and wonders? And he said, I never knew you. See, you got to be careful. Always go back to the scripture. Do I believe in spiritual gifts? Yes, as the Bible teaches them. Do I believe in the way we see them most of the time today with the tongues and the prophecy and the visions and the dreams? Uh, no, but God can and will use whatever he can to bring you into his family and into his fold. So I'm both a continuationist and a cessationist. How's that for being wishy-washy? Uh, I just think that words mean things and you have to go back to scripture and find out what it says and go from there and not make up what we want to make up on our own. Well, I went very quickly today, but I hope it's been helpful or got you thinking, or maybe I know I made some people mad today. Give me your feedback. Email Larry W. Manning, the number one at gmail.com. Tweet at the CWR network or leave a 60 second voice message uh, right there on that button, wherever you're listening to us today. Love to be of help to you any way you can. If you have prayer needs, prayer requests, what's prayed here stays here unless you want us to share it with everybody else. So um, send it in. We'd, We'd love to help you in any way we can. We want to be your healthy grace addiction and uh, your digital fellowship of grace. Tell your friends and family to join us at Christian Without Religion. When grace moves in, religion moves out, so get on board the grace train. Well, I will be back uh, with some repeats uh, this weekend. I might do a message and put it on there, so be watching for that. If you didn't catch the um, live Bible study on Tuesday night on our Facebook page at Christian Without Religion, go check that out. We finished up Colossians chapter 4. Until next time, you know what I want you to do. Go hang out with Jesus.